Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Tammy, what are you working on in the newsroom? Oh, I got all kinds of things going on here. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah, I'm trying to figure this out. Dressing up your dog. Oh, no. We all dress up our dogs. No, we right? don't. Yes, we do. Oh, yes, we, <laughs> we do. do. Oh, See, yes, we do. You're Hal. Okay. Absolutely. Yes, we dress them up, but now a big controversy over whether we should bling them out. Oh, you mean put jewelry on them, accessorize jewelry. them. Okay. Accessorizing your dog. Maybe, maybe not. Big controversy surrounding pop star Lady Gaga and her beautiful French bulldog, Asia, Uh-oh. who she pictured recently looking stunning. But a lot of people say, yeah, well, so what? It looks good. You shouldn't do it. Hey, oh. I've dressed up my cat. I've dressed up like Lady Gaga. My cat likes to be dressed up. <laughs> I've tried to dress my cat. It didn't turn out well. Oh, I put a little red cape on him at Halloween, <laughs> and he struts around and goes to the door, and he just, he thinks I think he was going stuff. to the door trying to run away. I'm well. just saying. <laughs> Joey Volani, the dog father, what are you working on for today? Um, your pet's swimming in um, the pool, the ocean, the lake, and how you're going to deal with their coats afterwards when they come out. Coming up right here on Animal Radio. First, it's all about you. We're going to line seven. And D. hi, D. Hi, how are you? Very good. How can we help you today? Well, I wanted to ask the doctor about my chow, who is totally antisocial, and she's been that way for four years. Uh. Okay. And really, really beautiful dog, but she wouldn't let you touch her. She's now, I had told you, Serena, this morning, she's about six years old. She's actually about four. She still will not let you touch her. Um, okay. But and she's she always smiles. been this way? Yes. And th- th- since I got her, she smiles at you, and she's a really good dog, and she loves me. I can see it because she smiles, you know, and all that. But the thing is, is that because she's a child, she can't be groomed. I can't need to take her for a shot, you know, when you mm-hmm. have to grab her. The thing is, is that if you, this is the thing I wanted to ask you, if one can get her, because I've been able to get her, and when I trick her and get a hold of her collar and put a chain on her, she sits down, and then you can brush her, because I need to get her to a vet for her shot. But I don't know why this dog, I, I read up, and they said sometimes dogs from these places that breed them for a lot of money, sometimes they're interbred and they're autistic. Well, I mean, it's there's there's definitely, and I would I won't say that veterinary medicine has actually identified an autistic animal because that's we cannot necessarily make that comparison with humans and dogs, but we do know that just because you spend a lot of money or you get a pure breed dog doesn't mean you're getting a dog that is um, free of problems, and definitely some of the purebred lines, you know aren't always the best and you can inbreed and breed bad traits in so generally when I counsel someone if they're wanting to breed their dog I look at personality and I look at socialization that's a very important trait so we're not a fan of breeding dogs that have a high aggression potential or a fearful uh, potential those aren't good traits now whatever happened to her parents or their grandparents beyond that I don't know Um, if they had those traits gosh it would have been great to to not breed that further now, as far as where you're at now, um, you know, some of where we're at is, is very challenging because when a dog is young and they're puppies, we're in a golden period of socialization. And that really goes 
up until about they're three, four months old. That's when we want to expose them to things, help to reassure them through their fears, you know, loud noises, new things, vacuum cleaners, new people, other dogs, anything that might be a fearful experience for them. If we experience, if they are uh, exposed to that when they're in that golden period of socialization, then we have the best chance that they're going to become well-adjusted adult dogs. If that isn't the case and we miss that or we recognize there's problems and we don't address them during that time, mm-hmm. that is not the dog's fault. And as no. far as oh, no. th- those behaviors at this point are going to be very challenging to work through. We can do it and we can get some, some, uh, some advances, but we're really talking working with a behaviorist. So I, I'm really not going to be able to give you a trick to say, you know, let's, let's get her, um, subdued. Let's get her to the vet. Let's get her groomed because I think we've got a lot of phobias, a lot of fears that are ingrained after all these years. And it is a challenge to work through that. Um, so I I think, I think they lied to me about her being six weeks old because when they sent her she was pretty big and i think maybe um she had, uh, i don't know maybe she had been uh, mishandled because i pampered the heck out of her like my other mm-hmm. uh, dogs and she was just i mean if you put out her hand to her you know and try to grab her she is so frightened and she's been that way since the time she came until now and what i was going to ask your advice is that because I can, um, my husband can trick her. He can sit in a chair and she'll sit beside him and grab her collar. And then I was going to get her groomed because all of a sudden now she wants to come in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so well, I'm thinking about maybe getting, a, a, I don't care about her being groomed, but she's stinky. We live on our ranch and she's mm-hmm. a stinky child right now. What do, what do you think about, um, or no, not having her groomed? Well, it, it all is going to fall into the category of what can we have her tolerate. She sounds like she has a lot of um, adjustment issues with things being done to her um, that she's not comfortable with. She's fearful in those situations, and and I don't like the words tricking her because we are not. It's not a good thing to necessarily trick her. We want to train her, so we want to we want to make a positive association with something that's for her own good. And I'd have to say, for a chow, it does matter that we get them groomed because they have a very dense hair coat and not addressing those things, we can really lead to some serious skin infections. Oh gosh, I could tell you horror stories about, you know, what's underneath that dense coat if it, if it doesn't get addressed. So I would say that we may need to work uh, with a groomer, sometimes even go into your veterinarian. And we do have dogs that come into my office that their social anxiety, their phobias are so bad, we have to sedate them. Or we have to put them under general anesthetic to do some of these things. And the, the whole goal is to do what needs to be done, but to not make it a scary experience. So if they need to use drug therapy for that, I'm a fan of that. And we okay. just need to use it in the right hands and use it properly. And um, you know, have that done so that we can make sure that she's comfortable with the experience. What she doesn't know, doesn't remember, all the better. Um, and then we can see about getting her groomed or even getting her update on her her wellness exams and vaccinations. So I would say uh, you know, working with your veterinarian is probably the best thing. Um, some groomers will work on chows that have some fears of uh, grooming but um, you know it does take some work and a lot of times the veterinarian gets involved in this thank you you so much thank you Dee for your call well don't you know this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Harper Collins and from Harper via books comes Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole by Hans Olaf Thiebold it's a funny and touching tale of aging friendship and life 
narrated by a gruff yet fiercely loving dog named Taysen that proves sometimes a dog's story is the most human of all. Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole is available wherever books are sold. And thank you, HarperCollins, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's give away a copy right now. Call us using the Animal Radio iPhone or Android app, or you can send an email to yourvoiceatanimalradio.com. We'll select one winner right now. Good luck. Vinny Penn, party animal, coming at you on Animal Radio. Today, a very important topic, naming your pet. Now, I'm an Italian. I don't know if you can ascertain that from the Vinny thing. Uh, But when it comes to Italians, Italians have a very interesting way of nicknaming people, which uh, you could actually find all of this out in uh, my new book that comes out this summer. But I did have a routine in there or, or, or a chapter in there dedicated to how Italians come up with nicknames. If you're obese, your nickname is tiny. I, I, that might be standard ethnicity notwithstanding. Interestingly enough, though, if your name is Frank, we're big on alliteration, we Italians, so your nickname might just be Fat Frank. It really depends on your name before we go with the nickname. But there's something about doing the complete opposite. If you're six foot seven, your name is Shorty, unless your name is Tom, in which case you're Tall Tom. Really creative, we Italians. But nonetheless, it does kind of extend itself to the pet realm. If I meet one more ridiculously tiny sweater-wearing dog whose name is Thor, I'm going to lose my mind. Thor is is reserved for Rottweilers, for labs, and even there, it's kind of done to death. Do you have enough dogs with the same names? If your pet is three pounds or so and, and sleep sleeps in a hearth at the foot of your bed and you take him out to Uh, him or her out in your pocketbook here are some of the names you cannot name that tiny pet thor as i said bear king hulk orca choose a name that fits at the same time don't acknowledge the stature at all teensy weensy is really just kind of as annoying and we all know to stare clear of the human names naming your dog or your cat is the most important thing you will ever do they're going to respond to this name you might want to try to make it a little unique steer clear of human names names that have anything to do with their stature if it's a white dog doesn't need to be named whitey if it's a black dog doesn't need to be named blackie come up with something clever your favorite ice cream flavor you know here's rocky road all right what's wrong with that your favorite uh musician well a lot of people do that marley thing that's kind of annoying in and of itself all i'm saying is be creative pay homage to something that has affected you profoundly in your life and don't be so obvious and stop the thors as a matter of fact i want to see if animal radio is going to get behind making t-shirts that has the name thor in a circle with a slash through it no more thor Vinny Fan, Party Animal, Animal Radio. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? 
Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Judy has booked an amazing show. We're going to talk to the official biographer of Lassie. And you know what? You can't use that as past tense because apparently Lassie is still alive and <laughs> kicking. It's been like 50 years or so. A lot. Gotta... I watched Lassie when I was a kid. Oh, no, so. I did too. Oh, well, you're young. Both of you are young. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he'll be on the show with us in just a few minutes. He's going to be talking about the dogs that are heroes to us humans. And in fact, we have a couple of dogs that we're going to be talking about today. One dog helped a little guy. You may have seen this viral video. Little B. Owen is his, his name. His name is Owen, also I, I, known as Little B. I don't know what his disease is, but he has some kind of physical disease. And this dog has saved his life. And we'll talk, I, I believe, to Owen's father. Right. Uh, let's hit the phones first for you. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Good. I understand you want to talk to Dr. Debbie. Yes, I, I have a little problem child here. All right. What's going on? Now, we've been working very diligently with our local vet. Over probably the last seven to eight months, the number one thing going on is she's going uh, either before we put her outside or after we bring her back in. And we've tried Proen. And we've used, uh, used uh, uh, what is it, C-D-E-S, C-D-E-S, and we've, we've checked everything. We've checked, we've, we've had the ultrasound done, we've had blood work and mm-hmm. uh, your analysis. Everything comes back normal. And we're thinking this might be a psychological thing because she's always been really high anxiety. Uh, she's scared to death of thunderstorms, and, uh, and and we would like to keep her close at hand when 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 we do have storms in the area. But okay, I, I, I want to back up, what Robert. That, what kind of what kind of dog you got here? I didn't catch that. Okay, she's uh, she's a uh, well. All our dogs are rescues, so she's a uh, uh, we think a terrier and probably a dachshund. And she's how old? I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 or 12 years old. 
And so just so I'm clear, she's having urine accidents or poop accidents? Y- urine accidents. And, and, and it's only like I say, urine. We, we've searched out the possibility of it being accidents, and I just, I don't think it's an accident. I, I, I feel like it's being done on purpose, and we don't know why. Where is she urinating, and is it always in the same place, or is she moving around? It's pretty much always in the same place. At, what we do now, we have a tile kitchen floor, and the kitchen back door leads to outside where they go. Uh, we have four dogs. And uh, w- on rainy days, we lay down a blanket on the tile floor so when they come back in, they can wipe their paws. And, and we okay. lock them in the kitchen for, you know, a few minutes when they come back in. And then, of course, we open up the gate and they have the rest of the run of the house again. And uh, and that's been the norm for pretty much forever. And uh, she'll go, and like I say, sometimes she goes before we let them out if that blanket is laying down there. But what's really got me baffled is we started pulling the blanket up uh, okay. and only putting it down right when they come back in from outside. And all of that stopped. So she's not going mm. on the tile floor. She's not going anywhere else. But she continues to, if we leave that blanket down there for more than three or four minutes and and take our eyes off of her, she will go on that blanket before she climbs upstairs. Okay, I got you now. All right, I see what's going on here. So I'm glad that you had a very good, thorough medical checkup because, you know, in a 10-year-old dog, urine accidents can sometimes be a a signal of a health problem. And the I think the reality of what it sounds like you got going on is you need to get rid of that blanket, man. You need to be drying these babies' feet off, um, taking that blanket and getting rid of it because it could very well be just something as simple as a marking behavior. Um, the door is kind of a social area. It's an interactive zone. It's kind of a transition. So it could very well be that she's saying, hey, this is kind of the entry to my lair, and um, I'm going to say this is, you know, our territory, my territory, and I'm going to urinate here. If that is not there and she doesn't have urine accidents elsewhere, um, I, I'm really led to believe that's the situation. And, you know, I dogs don't generally, they're not generally malicious creatures. They're, they're very kind-hearted animals. They're not like people. We're mean. And they don't typically do these kind of things to get us mad or to piss us off. It's generally something either medical or something either social or uh, psychological. So um, I might be led to believe that you just need to make a decision to get rid of that blanket and know that that's going to be her trigger. That may be her preference, that her that substrate that she really likes. And when it's in that right spot, she's going to urine mark on it. Now, we, we can fix the blanket that. out all the time. You know, I mean, if she goes on it, we, you know, it immediately goes out and gets rewashed. And then, we, you know, of course. I don't care. Next- I don't want you to put it down in the first place. You putting it down there is allowing her that opportunity. It's setting that environment just right. doesn't matter that you wash it. She's just thankful that you are. You're flushing the toilet for her every time you do that. <laughs> and, so. You know, but we've been doing this in that same routine forever. And it's just been going on, oh, maybe eight or nine months 
and so is it just I, I just wonder if there was any other kind of a trigger you think just yeah this is just I mean everything is just ringing this is a like I said a social zone where you know dogs can very typically mark now another solution ways to maybe work around this hey what about the idea of putting an, um, like an outdoor mat on the opposite side of that door somewhere where the doggies can kind of maybe partially dry their feet and then if they do she does urinate on that it's outdoors it's not such a big deal where you have to worry about that being inside this is animal radio baby people say less is more at red barn we think less is better it's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart no byproducts no corn or soy no fillers just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve look at the label we want you to Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Recently, we talked about a study that was done to see how many pet owners have had their dog or cat damage or destroy one of their electronic gadgets. Turns out about one in ten of us have. Favorite part of the device? Yeah, it's the power cord. You knew that. The study found that male dogs are 86 times more likely than a female dog to wreck a gadget. So here's the question that comes out of all this. Does your extended warranty cover the pet damage? Well, it turns out in many cases it actually does. This study was done by Square Trade. That's a company that sells extended warranties for electronics. And the company commissioned the study because it was seeing an increase in claims for repairs and replacements for pet-related damage. Cell phones account for almost a third of the damaged devices, the survey found. And the damage happens from a pet knocking the device off a table to making it, well, shall we say, a little less appealing to use. I'll let you work on what exactly that means. Yuck, you're exactly. Do you dress up your dog? Of course, right? Lots of us do. It seems like an okay thing to do, especially if the dog is into it. What about accessorizing your dog with a little jewelry? Well, pop star Lady Gaga has come under fire from PETA for putting some bling on her dog. She recently showed some pictures on her Instagram page of her French bulldog, Asia, draped in some very sparkly necklaces, bracelets, some clip-on earrings as well. Animal lovers have chimed in saying it's not fair because Asia doesn't have a choice in the matter and that dogs are beautiful enough without any decorations, which is, of course, true. PETA is saying the best accessory for any dog is a comfortable, secure, and well-fitting harness, bling optional. I don't I don't know why people make such a big deal about putting bling on their pets if it's not anything that's going to hurt the pet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I've been I've been a groomer now for well, I don't even know how long, but too long. But the bottom line is is I've dealt with a lot of clothing, a lot of jewelry, and of course the haircuts. And the dogs do the ones that like it love it. They See, show it off. They do. Just yeah. like people do. Some people like it, some people don't. If the dog's personality, I mean they strut. I mean uh-huh. Miles mm-hmm. might my, my oldest one, if you put a, a, a coat or a sweater on him, he wants to show it off. He wants to go out. He, I mean, he can't wait to put it on. <laughs> you guys so are silly. Know, just, all no, three of you are no, silly. No, it. It's fine. Silly for it, the guy who slept with the kitty for his yeah. dream. You were yeah. silly. <laughs> well, you know, with Ladybug, I, I put her hoodie on, and I put her. Uh-huh. I just put it over her head, and she picks up her paw and puts it through the right sleeve, and then she puts up her other paw and puts it through the other sleeve. I don't even have she to. She likes it. Yeah, no, she, that doesn't mean she likes yeah. it. She knows that she gets a walk if she does that. You've trained her. You've yeah. conditioned her to do that. I like to think she likes all it. All right, Alan. <laughs> she likes it. Yeah. I'm Tammy Trujillo. You can get more breaking animal news at animalradio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. For another hero of the week, I love this. This is my favorite part of the show. I got to tell. Well, next to Me Joey Volani's tip of the week, you like it too? Yeah, I do. It's it's. You know what? I mean, you know, when you go on Facebook and you hear all this and see all this negative stuff of people abusing pets and all, and you see it and you see it and it gets you sick, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden. You have someone that's you know doing something good, and makes you it makes you feel like there's hope. I love it. Well, today we have animal trainer Clarissa Black. She's joining us. She started as an elephant and a dolphin trainer. Ooh, I'd like to do that. Train, I'd like to work with both of those training animals. dolphins. That's, yeah, and elephants can't be easy. And now she's training dogs. But she also started a company, a nonprofit, I believe, we'll ask her, called Pets for Vets. She's tapped into the therapy values of our dogs for our returning veterans. But these, some, were some these of them, dogs that were just kind of thrown away, though? What, were you're they? asking me? Well, yeah. let's ask her. Okay. Hi, Clarissa. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, now tell us about your organization, Pets for Vets. Yeah. Yes. Pets for Vets, we rescue shelter dogs, and we evaluate the dogs and match them with returning veterans. We match the temperament of the dog to personality and lifestyle to veterans to help with overcoming things like PTSD, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depression. It's kind of like a matchmaking service for uh, the veterans. So each dog is matched specifically for each veteran, and then they also go through one of um, training with one of our professional trainers to learn different behaviors that can help with anxiety and depression and PTSD. Mm. Well, now, how do the dogs actually help with PTSD? There's many ways. So just having a pet can actually um, increase, you know, lower um, stress levels. But there's many things that having pets can actually do that have been um, researched. So things like um, getting veterans out to to walk, walk their dog, um, having a dog also creates sort of like an icebreaker. So instead of being closed off and isolated, there's now this this pet, this dog that other people can come over and talk about and then create that connection with the veteran. What we've done with some of our pets um, is we've actually trained them to do a what we call a nightmare behavior, which is wake their veteran up for um, from a nightmare. So I actually have this one really wonderful story of a veteran and one of his um, major complaints that he had had was not being able to sleep and his nightmares since he had returned from Iraq. So it had been about three years, he had said, since he'd wow. gotten you know, a real good night's sleep. And two ways this dog had helped him. So we actually trained her to wake him up from nightmares so that when he was rustling around or having a bad dream, she would go over and nose him and, and then stay with him And uh, when he woke up. I need one of those. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so when we placed her with him, they actually... Um, you could just sort of feel this palpable release of tension from him. And part of what we do is provide all this equipment with the dogs. So one of the things we had was a dog bed. So he laid down on the dog bed with her, and she went over and got on the dog bed with him, and he held her paw, and they took a nap together. Oh. And it was just incredible and um, so cute. But not only that, she was helping him for that first month, you know, waking him up from those nightmares. But the amazing part was he said that after about a month, just having her, he no longer was having those nightmares. Oh, that's great. Wow. So these are dogs that were basically thrown away in shelters that wouldn't have had a second chance. Correct. Uh, so all of our dogs are rescue dogs, either from shelters or other rescue groups. So they're, they were all looking for a second chance, too. And one of our uh, veterans, he said something to me that was so poignant. He said, if they can heal, 
we can heal. Mm -hmm. Heal each other. So what made you start this organization? I was um, doing some volunteer work with my own dog. He is um, such a ham. He loves the attention. And we were meeting other veterans in a VA hospital, and their faces were lighting up when, you know, he would shake their hands or just lay on their beds with them. And some of the veterans started to ask me, can I keep them? Can I take them home? And I thought, well, why is therapy one hour once a week inside the walls of the VA? Why not 24-7? And I know that um, a lot of the reasons that dogs are returned to shelters or are in shelters is because people don't find the right dog. They don't pick the right dog for their lifestyle, for their family. So the dog ends up causing more stress, not fitting in properly, having behavioral issues. So a lot of times they get returned to the shelter. So knowing this and knowing that veterans are facing a lot of stress, I wanted to be able to to provide dogs for these guys, but also make it in the most stress-free possible way. That way they didn't have to select a dog that might not fit for them and that might, uh, you know, cause more stress for them. And then we provide that training also because the other issue is when you get a new dog, a lot of times they don't know how to be, you know, in a home, what how what to chew, what not to chew, where to go to the bathroom. So that could be stressful. Exactly. So you uh, you pay for the vet exams and the vaccinations and uh, professional training and all, all the initial needs. That's got to cost a little bit of money. Where are you getting that money? So we do. We provide um, each dog that goes to the veteran is healthy, up to date on vaccinations. They neutered microchips. They come with a huge welcome package of equipment, including leashes, bowls, crates, toys, the training for the dog, as well as any follow up training that they're going to need. For, um, and all of that is no charge to our veterans. So we get our funding through donations and grants. And if people want to make a donation, are you a 501c3? or uh... We are. Oh. We are a 501c3, and you can find our website at www.pet-4fr-vets.com. And we'll put that over the uh, over at AnimalRadio.com. Thanks so much. You are our hero of the week, doing great work. Clarissa Black, helping veterans coming back. You know, they do so much for our country. And it, it's it's sad to see, especially with the Veterans Administration lately, how we're treating <laughs> our troops when they come back. So I'm glad to see this kind of stuff going on on so many levels, uh, especially if they come back with PTSD or develop any, any kind of psychological illnesses that a dog will help. And I know when I was a kid, seven years old, I believe uh, maybe even younger i used to have these nightmares i'd wake up in the middle of the night night sweats horrible things my parents decided getting me a cat would be the thing to do they got you a kitten they got me a cat a kitten mm-hmm. and every time i had a dream they would wake me and give me the kitten serious this is serious <laughs> really <laughs> really and it's a big fag I, <laughs> <laughs> explains a lot doesn't it yeah Oh my God! But the dreams went. Yeah, the the dreams went away. And uh, I still do that today when I see him get stressed. I give him the cat. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Don't knock it, Joey. Coming from a guy who still wets his bed. Uh, I'm just saying. (laughs) Clarissa, thank you so much for hanging with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Pleasure. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Harper Collins Publishers. And from Harper Via Books comes Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole by Hans Olaf Thiebold. It's a funny and touching tale of aging, friendship, and life. Narrated by a gruff yet fiercely loving dog named Tayson. It proves that sometimes a dog's story is the most human of all. Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole is available now wherever books are sold. And thank you, HarperCollins, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's give away a copy of this book right now. Call us using the Animal Radio iPhone or Android app or send an email to yourvoice at animalradio.com. We'll select one winner right now. Good luck. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Joey Volani, how are you doing today? Oh, you polished your ring. You like that, huh? I I do like it. When I kissed it, I was worried about how hygienic it was. It was looking a little grubby after a while. You know, that was from you kissing all the time. It was the slobber. Um, I would have to, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, wipe off. Getting very um, gross here. Anyway, as we know, it's blistering hot throughout the country, and, you know, people are taking their dogs on vacation. And the biggest, one of the biggest grooming problems, and I talk about this um, from time to time, is um, your dog swimming. And um, there's a couple of things you need to do if your dog likes to swim. If you've got a short-haired dog, you know what, there's not too much you really have to worry about, except you've got you to gotta rinse the dog off, um, especially if they're swimming in fresh water. Because what happens with fresh water is a lot of bacteria buildup can actually um, affect the dog's skin coat where, you know, they can come up with hot spots and, and um, you know, nice um, allergic reactions to things. So what you want to do is make sure you rinse your short-haired dogs off really well. And the same thing with the salt water. The salt water, you know, even though it's probably a little bit more therapeutic for your pet skin, you want to get that salt off the coat. It'll just keep from drying the skin out. And just a little bit of a rinse, or you can actually use a little bit of pet shampoo. But now you're long-haired dogs and people who have long-haired dogs i don't know why you even let them swim but you know what sometimes they just love it you got a couple of problems the first problem being i'm the groom i'm going to talk about the grooming problem is when a dog gets wet that has long hair and it dries and it's not brushed it mats at the most um how could i say it's um not a natural type of matting where matting will normally start away from the skin and then twist its way down towards the skin when a dog gets wet the matting starts very close to the skin so you almost don't see it until it's too far gone now the problem with that is brushing it out becomes a little bit more difficult and painful for your pet and usually at that point in time when you notice it it's um, time for a complete um, shave down by your local groomer so you want to be able to run a brush and comb through just like i said on the short hair dogs depending on where your dog is swimming let's um, start with the pool first Okay, chlorine. Chlorine can, can really, really mat your dog's, um, coat up and also could, um, you know, be a, be a problem for the pet skin, um, drying it out. Basically, what you want to do is you want to not only rinse it, because chlorine is going to stay in the coat even with a, with a good rinse, is you want to actually strip it out of the coat. And what we found, um, that works best, believe it or not, is, um, Dawn dish detergent, um, works, it's a degreaser, but it works real well. Now, it's not, any dish detergent, Dawn dish detergent especially, and, and it's, it's the, whatever the formulation of, of the um, product is, you mix a um, quarter cup with that, 
to um, a, a quart of water. And what that's going to do, it's going to pull out all your chlorine. You're going to rinse it. And believe it or not, it's not going to really overly dry out your dog's skin and coat. You may think that it would, but it's not. Okay, basically because of the formulation of it. And also, it's a great fleece. The best fleece shampoo you've ever used as well on top it of it. Um, it, it works. It works It really you is. little kittens. Yeah, absolutely. You know the uh-huh. um, Wildlife Foundation; they endorse it. Um, they oh, they yeah. use it. They use it. yeah, they do. It's 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 one of the best things that they they have for oil spills is they use Dawn mm-hmm. dish detergent. And like I said, you want to use Dawn um, only because I don't know the formulations of the other products, but I know this is safe. So it that'll is. strip out your chlorine, and then once the dog is clean, then you want to run a brush and then a comb through the coat. Now, if the dog has been in a lake. And it's long hair. You know, a general um, pet shampoo works really well. I would use a medicated shampoo that has an antifungal in it, so you have no bacteria that's going to grow. And dogs that have folds, like bulldogs, Sharpays, and all, you want to dry and powder them real well because what will happen is when that stays moist and doesn't dry properly, well, it's it's a haven for fungus and bacteria. So that's going to build up. So dry that really good. And your saltwater dog, the same thing, just a general shampoo. You're not going to have to worry too much about any fungus or bacteria building up. You just want to get the dog clean and then brush in a comb, and you should be fine. Right before the dog is 100% dry, one more brush and comb, and you know, you'll have a happy swimming dog. you got to love that. I, quick question for you. We get this call all the time. Is chlorine bad for your dogs? They're swimming in the pool. Can they? Well, chlorine's really not great for, for, for anyone. I mean, it's not, I, I mean, I don't know um, any incidents where it's actually, um, you know, really, you know, done damage to your pet, but I know it's not great for their skin, just, just for drying gum, you know, okay. properties itself. On a dark dog, it'll pull the color out a little. So oh, you'll really? have you'll have a dog that was either um, black or brown, and then it'll have a reddish tint to it um, because it'll pull out the color. It'll strip it just like it would your hair. That's how dangerous those chemicals are. Well, Joey, I got a quick question here because we've got a saltwater pool. Our a pool in our backyard is a saltwater salt pool. pool. I love oh, it. How, how do you do that? You don't know heaven till you've had a saltwater pool. They're really common in SoCal and especially out in the desert. We we learned about them in Palm Springs. They're actually saltwater, so there is no chlorine the salt does the work of the chlorine so do you have to just put in water and then add salt to it yeah it's a different kind of filter and it, it a whole different filtration system but it's actually once you put it in it's cheaper to maintain and, and it's better for you because chlorine is a chemical and i don't like it either and it wow. does mess up hair color on, on humans and now we know dogs so if your dog was going in a saltwater pool would you treat that just as if your dog had gone in the ocean in terms of cleaning yes, the dog up? exactly exactly the same exactly the okay. same um i, w- I would treat it's funny because um, Doc Halligan has a saltwater pool, and, and um, she asked me that question not too long ago. Oh, they're great. I haven't heard yeah. of it yet. That's okay. so strange. Why don't I have one? Well, you're going to have to get one. you got the ocean close by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, walk, too. You walk across the street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by HarperCollins Publishers. And from Harper via Books comes Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole by Hans Olive Thivold. It's a funny and touching tale of aging, friendship, and a life narrated by a gruff yet fiercely loving dog named Taysen that proves sometimes a dog story is the most human of all. Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole is available now wherever books are sold. And thank you, HarperCollins, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's give away a copy right now. Call us using the Animal Radio iPhone or Android app or send an email to yourvoice at animalradio.com. We'll select one winner right now. Good luck. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. 
for iPhone and Android. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584-877-247-1584. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. This next guest has a great name. I just like this. Ace. Ace. I wish my name was Ace. Is that really his name? Ace, how are you doing? I'm fine, and no, it's not really my name. What, uh, uh, Johnny Gazzino, right? For, it has been my name since I was 19 years old, for all practical purposes, but... I was a uh, sophomore at Baylor University, and I was my name was Andrew, and everybody called me Andy. And I was playing a uh, in a hearts tournament at Baylor that was a big deal. Hearts was such a raging game back then, and so <laughs> and I won the tournament by making a run. And the last card I played was the Ace of Hearts, ah. and everybody from there on in started calling me Ace, and I couldn't escape it. My my literary agent loves it, so we, it, you know, 80, 80 books later, we've written all these books under Ace Collins, and, and I guess we're going to continue to do that, and everybody knows me. But I, that's a question I get asked a lot, and everybody just assumes that was the way I was named. I think it would have been kind of a cool name to have had, too. It's better than Andrew. Oh, well, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's a cool name. Sure as hell beats Hal. That's, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I love your new book, Man's Best Hero, True Stories, Great American Dogs. And, you know, we, we celebrate humans every week that do heroic things for our dogs or cats or iguanas or all the animals. But uh, we, we rarely talk about, well, sometimes we talk about the dogs that do such wonderful things. You know what? I take that back. In fact, we were talking today. In, yeah, how we always uh, talk about dogs. You know what? That Can do... I just say, I'm not really sure how I got this job, and I'm not even really <laughs> a radio host. I'm just ducking in here from the police, okay? Just just... A second. Uh, uh, you know, your co-host here can do this. There's a book I wrote back in 99 called Lassie's Guide to a Family's Best Friend. Oh, yes. And, and in that book, the last part of that book is a training guide. You know, once we tell you how to buy your dog, what kind of dog you need, we actually teach you the first 50 tricks that last that that the Lassie owners and trainers teach Lassie or all the generations of Lassie. And I my wife has found that it is an excellent training manual for for males, human males as yeah. well. So yeah. Huh. I can get that book and and then you can be better trained like I am. I'd like to work you were the official biographer of Lassie, weren't you? <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh what is amazing is we actually premiered this book at BEA, which is a fan expo for for readers in New York City at the Javits Center about about four weeks ago, and Lassie surprised me and, and appeared with me um, at the premiere. And wait, I, I wait, wait a, a second, Lassie is alive still. This is the tenth generation. They're oh, always okay. sons. Wow. They're always sons of the previous dog. Okay. So when you look at the current Lassie, whose name is Junior, uh-huh. 
Uh, and doesn't have a TV show. Uh, but but that's going to change very quickly. DreamWorks owns the trademark now, and you know DreamWorks is not going to let Lassie be idle. Heck no. Uh, uh, well, Lassie so, doesn't want to be idle. No, I'm betting no, not. And Lassie works Get that dog a job. Pre- Lassie works all the time in public appearances and stuff, but uh, Lassie was on the Today Show last week. So, I mean, but you're looking at the 10th generation Lassie. So when you look at Lassie, you're actually looking into the eyes 10 generations ago of Pal, who played... Uh, Lassie in, in the 1943 movie Lassie Come Home, or Junior and Baby, who were the dogs we remember best from the television series, or then there's other ones. And, and when you're the official biographer of Lassie, you can actually look at each one of those dogs and, and tell, I can tell you what generation they are. I mean, they, really? what their real names were. But, you know, once they're on the screen, they're always playing Lassie. And the dog that is sleeping right beside my desk right now, on the left side of my desk, is the uh, sister of the current Lassie. And wow. the dog that is in right in front of my desk is a rescue dog that is a uh, we talk about briefly in the first chapter of this book and his name is Sammy and he was born blind and I drove about 500 and, yeah, more like 650 miles to rescue him so they wouldn't put him down and he's a blind collie that was born that way and it's probably been the most remarkable dog I've ever owned in my life. Why is that? Uh, his ability to adapt, his ability to not notice his handicap, his ability to navigate our in Arkansas, our huge yard with all of these huge trees and everything else, uh, his ability to find his way around the house, all of that is remarkable. And that, that's also taught me not to limit human beings with disabilities. Okay, I've, I've come up with a total new concept, and I was never a limiting person anyway, but he has really opened this up for me. And then, Sammy, also, I've never been around a happier creature in my entire life. You know, I get this response when people find out he's blind, oh, poor dog. No, he is obviously is sensing things and seeing things that we're missing, too. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and so what it amounts to is that, that this is not some poor dog. This is a happy creature who loves life and loves being here and takes advantage of every moment. And he's five years old and he's still as big a puppy as he was probably when he was eight weeks old. And so saving him has given me a much larger perspective on life. As a matter of fact, from time to time, I write a blog called Lessons Sammy's Taught Me, or Lessons from Sammy. And I'm about to write a um, 2,000-word piece or 3,000-word piece uh, for the Collie Club of America on the incredible lessons and the incredible richness of life that adopting a special needs dog can bring to you. Mm. And so... Sammy's been one of the remarkable things, and I think I did this book as much as anything else because of Sammy, because they've been after me for various publishers, and I've written for 20-some-odd different publishers, have been after me for years to do a dog book, a dog hero book. And I had thought about it for years and years and years, but I I, I write three novels a year, and I I always do one nonfiction book a year. And I I kept putting it off, and then Abington came to me after reading one of my blogs on on Sammy and said, couldn't you at least do it now? I mean, you've got this dog that you write about all the time anyway. And I I thought, yeah, it's it's time to actually do this. And so so we've done it now. Where'd you get all your stories from? Well, you have literally hundreds of of great dog stories that you can use. And, And... and so finding stories was not was not an issue. What what was the issue for me was finding stories that fit thirteen different traits that I thought human beings mm-hmm. should have. Mm-hmm. And what are those that traits? Dogs do a good job teaching us. What are those traits? And so those traits were important. Uh, in the first thing is opportunity, and it's it's on the importance of second chances, tenacity, determination, potential, duty, fortitude loyalty, love, courage, gratitude, purpose, character, and faithfulness. So yes, in these chapters that spotlight, most of them except for the first one, spotlight one dog and that dog's adventure, yes, we do give you that drama in real life, real 
incredible dog overcoming the odds to save a human being story. But there are chapters where we talk about dogs that are heroes that do nothing more than go into cancer wards where, where parents and kids have given up and, and, and bring hope and life and a reason to live again. So we, we, have a, we have therapy dogs, and the therapy dog we covered went to Katrina. This dog goes into hospitals and, and nursing homes on a regular basis and also was there for the, those waiting to find out what happened to their loved ones at 9-11. We talk about a dog, Roselle, who there's a great book written about Roselle named Thunder Dog. And, yeah, we've and, interviewed Michael Hingson. And Michael, Michael mm-hmm. has to be in the book. And so we gave a different perspective of what Roselle did leading people down from the Tower One. The interesting thing about what Roselle did is often missed. And that is the fact that Roselle scared to death of thunderstorms, did all this heroic stuff. The dog became blind, too, when the tower came down. The dog couldn't see, and the dog is guiding these people. And still, with an inability to see because of all of the debris field and the dust that they're in, that dog still found a way to lead not just Michael, but the people who were with Michael, which at that particular point were scores and scores and scores of people who were following him because they had no one else to follow. They were following the dog. The dog still got them to safety in the subway. Mm. And when you think about Roselle, everybody concentrates on the fact he led them out of the tower. Yes, he did that when the lights went out. He offered the calmness because the dog was calm and the blind man was calm. But it, it was more about the duty. This, is, this dog was just doing his job. He was sticking to it even in the face of everything else that was going on. So in that respect, the dog, you know, Roselle defeated, defeated the terrorist even before any of us as human beings defeated the terrorist. Hmm. And I think those are the things when you talk about these remarkable dogs. And so if you read this book, it probably reads a lot like my novels do, because it's a narrative style that looks at, at these amazing animals. But the lessons underneath it are what come forward because the dogs, the traits these dogs have. I, there's a story in the end, and, and you can actually know the stories without giving, with, and still enjoy the book, so I'm not giving away anything, I don't okay. think. But the last chapter is, takes place, uh, you know, two generations ago in Mississippi in the early 1950s, a poor family that didn't own a car, but they have a Collie Shepherd mix that somebody has given them. And they have a fenced yard, and this dog becomes the babysitter for the little girl, the preschool girl. And one day the father forgets to close the gate, and the preschool girl is walking down the street toward a highway, a busy highway with lots of large rig trucks and things that roar through an intersection. And this dog is following the kid, and witnessing all of this from from a front porch is a woman in a wheelchair who can do nothing about it. And she watches as this this kid uh, steps out. Avon steps out off the street, off the curb, and into the street while this traffic is. The dog grabs the kid, pulls it, pulls the kid back, sets on the kid until the lady in the wheelchair can get inside the house, <laughs> call someone to help, and that thereby saves Avon's life. Wow. But here's the mm-hmm. remarkable thing. The father never opened the gate again, so the dog and the, and the kid supposedly couldn't get out of the gate. But every morning and every night, the dog found a way, every afternoon, the dog found a way to get out of the yard and became the crossing guard for every kid that crossed that street Wow! Jeez. Uh, to go to school. 
The book is called Man's Best Hero, True Stories, Great American Dogs. I have 10 copies to give away. Again, if you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to your bookstore or Amazon and ask for Ace Collins' Man's Best Hero, True Stories, Great American Dogs. He is the official biographer of Lassie. I, just before you go, one quick question. Is it true Lassie number four and Morris number two didn't get along? There was a lot of Hollywood infighting between the uh, two? I don't know if that was actually true or not, but I've heard that rumor myself. Good. You, good. Know, I, you know, I, can't, I can tell you uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that Lassie and Benji were best friends. Oh, that's good to know. That's an honest to goodness true statement. Good stuff to know. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was a joy. We'll do it again sometime. Anytime y'all want. Let's uh, head back to the phones for Dr. Debbie or Dog Father Joey Volani. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Harper Collins Publishers. From Harper Via Books comes Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole by Hans Olaf Thiebold. It's a funny and touching tale of aging, friendship, and life. Narrated by a gruff yet fiercely loving dog named Taysen that proves sometimes a dog's story is the most human of all. Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole is available now wherever books are sold. And thank you, Harper Collins, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's go ahead and give away a copy right now. Call us using the Animal Radio iPhone or Android app or send an email to yourvoice at animalradio.com. Good luck. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hey, doing well. How can we help you today? Well, I have a uh, black lab mix that I got from the uh, shelter, and she is a wonderful. She's about three years old now. And uh, very well, you know, went to uh, obedience training with her and learned how to you know, sometimes you got to train the uh, people to train the dog. Oh, yeah. So I learned, I learned all the <laughs> steps to, uh, and she's wonderful. Can teach her to do the paper, sit, stay. She has this odd behavior. Maybe this is more common than, than uh, I think. But she likes to, uh, if there's other dogs, like we go to a friend's house and uh, take the dog with us. And uh, in the backyard, if they find, uh, she finds feces from the other dog, she wants to rub her head in it. Ooh, then, oh, lovely. <laughs> And then come running back and show us how proud she is. Mm -hmm. Uh, She doesn't eat it or, you know, anything. It's almost like she wants to say, you know, doesn't do it in her own yard. Of course, we clean everything up as quick as we can. Uh But she she never does it uh, with her own. Okay. And uh, I guess two questions. Is that unusual? And second, how how can I help uh, stop the uh, behavior? 
Yes, uh, it, it actually is not all that unusual. Um, I'd say more dogs tend to actually ingest feces, but there are a good amount of them that will roll in the fecal matter, and they do. They come back so proud and happy about it. And, and it's interesting because there's a lot of behaviorists out there. We really don't know why dogs do this. There's a lot of theories out there, and the, some of the theories are that you know they're either masking their scent or they're picking up the scent of uh, you know where they've been, and they're kind of using that to tell the the other pack members where they've been, but we really don't know why. But they enjoy it. They love it. Um, right. So it is kind of a self-rewarding behavior. So uh, gross, definitely. <laughs> I don't right. think anyone would argue with that. The, the hard thing is because it is a self-rewarding behavior, um, you have to actually prevent it from beginning in the first place or you've already lost that ability to train her out of that. So that means the challenge is we have to, in, when she's faced in these situations, we have to do a couple things. One is to try to control her movement. So um, either keep her physically away from the areas where the fecal matter are or we keep her on a head collar, like a gentle lead harness. And that way when she kind of gets near the material, you can direct her another way. But we also want to remember we don't, it's not supposed to be about disciplining or correcting her when she does this because that actually is, um, in my eyes, I always kind of compare that to the small toddler or the small child that does something wrong and gets yelled at and is like, ooh, I got attention, you know, you know, it, negative attention is still attention. So they're still rewarding the behavior. So we ignore it. We don't say, no, 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 don't do that. You actually look for something else we can motivate her with at that time. And the best thing is if you have a combination of the head collar and something else. So I will use squeaky toys. I'll use toys, treats, frisbees, whatever she really digs. Um, other than the fecal matter, <laughs> use that as the alternate uh, toy or behavior. So um, it is hard, especially if you're over at a friend's house and they're kind of doing doggy fun and playing and rolling in that. Um, but it, it means just kind of taking control of the situation and not allowing her to do that and okay. uh, give her that outlet. Just fo follow her when I bring her and kind of control her as uh, she, you know, she doesn't do it all the time, which is also difficult too because uh right yeah you, you it's an intermittent behavior right it's intermittent which is the hardest behavior to try to change i think yeah now and when you we were keeping her out of the access it's uh, not ideal to say uh you know she's running around the yard she starts to roll in it and then you try to get her away at, at that point we really want to maintain physical control so we want to have her on a leash or a harness okay. and, and you can actually even go through little practice sessions with this you know go to a neighbor you know your friend's house and have her on that and, and start doing the doing a little semi training away from that and uh, you know that way you can hopefully let her enjoy some of that freedom and that dog play which is just part of being a dog hey don't knock it till you've tried it okay okay <laughs> it's doggy perfume thanks for listening 1-866-405-8405 to animal radio toll free you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now at 1-866-405-8405 Hey, it's Vinny Penn, your party animal on Animal Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me. I wanted to tell you about a racket my brother's got going on. My brother's uh, lived in New York City. Um, 
for about 20 years now, longer than that, maybe even. And uh, one of my sisters is going to be away, and he's decided to come in and dog sit for her, her dog Lucky, while she's gone. Well, that's all well and good, because I figured he had a place to crash. Now I didn't need to be bothered with him. and just, you know, have him uh, over when it suits me. And now, just got back to me that this is the deal that he procured to dog sit for his own sister. She pays... For his train ticket in, round trip, she stocks the fridge with food, the car with gas, and the cupboards with booze. The only thing missing is an actual fee on top of it. Now, am I wrong? I mean, dog sitting I respect as a gig, but my brother really, I mean, he's really pulling a fast one here, and she is going for it. Plus, it's like she's forgotten how he was when we were kids. Half of her CDs are going to be gone. Silverware is going to be gone. Uh, A lot is going to be missing when she gets back. You know, the more I think about it, I'd like to dog sit for Lori when she goes away. Vinny Penn, Party Animal, Animal Radio. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. This is an Animal Radio News Update. This is Tammy Trujillo. A trip to the vet might not just help your pet. It might actually save your life. Your life. That is if you're a woman. This is happening only right now in Illinois, but the Ovarian Cancer Symptom Awareness Organization hopes to take it nationwide. The program is providing veterinarians with a chance to raise awareness about the very subtle symptoms of ovarian cancer. More than 80% of the veterinarians graduating these days are women. And they often end up seeing female pet guardians a lot more often each year than the women actually go see their human medical doctors. So the organization says this idea sprang up after they realized that many people start talking about their own health problems when they go in to see the vet. The vets aren't trying to replace the people doctors here, but they want to use the chance to talk about the symptoms and to advise a woman who might present them the symptoms, rather, to get to the doctor right away. And ovarian cancer, highly curable if it's caught early. All right, here's something that dogs, wolves, and humans all have in common. We all communicate with our eyes. They have been looking at this at the Tokyo Institute of Technology and the Kyoto University, and they found that the color of the face around the eye, the shape of the eye, and the color and shape of both the iris and the pupil all are part of a very elaborate eye-based communication system. And they identified three basic patterns, and dogs, wolves, and humans all fit into what they call the A-type. These are creatures in which the eye outline and the eye position in the face are clear. Such individuals actually invite you to look into their eyes. I mean, don't you look into your dog's eyes? It's one of the most amazing experiences, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, those eyes are like the window to the world. Well, they're looking back. Researchers even suspect the white of the eye actually evolved in part to set off the darker hues of the iris and the pupil. I'm Tammy Trujillo. You can get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. 
Don't forget, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone. It's a free download or for Android or BlackBerry. Do it now, please, because you're going to forget later and you're going to want it later. You're going to want to ask the Dream Team a question or you're going to want to listen to the show again. So do it now. Free download. And then you can check out on your phone afterwards the viral video that's going around of Hachi and Little B. Hachi, Hachi and Little B. Little B, yes. I, I have not seen it yet. I want to see it. Hell, have you seen you it? it? Of course I've seen it. What's in the video? Tell I haven't seen it. Have you? Yes, it tells no. a story about this little, well, not a little dog. It's actually an Anatolian shepherd dog that... Uh, That's a big dog. Yeah, that uh, someone tied it to the railroad tracks when he was just five months old. And he was actually hit by a train. Hmm. And But he survived. He lost a leg, but he survived. And there's a great story to follow. But there's a great story that follows, yes, the turns for this dog's little life and we have will hawkins on will is the father of little b first of all welcome to the show will how are you doing Thank you very much where are we calling you today in uh, Hampshire, in England. What time is it there right now? It's about half past eight. Oh, well, thank evening. you for staying up late with <laughs> no, us no. tonight. Uh, we appreciate that. Now, tell us a little bit about your son and uh, the dog. Basically, my son has got a rare disorder called Schwarzschild-Ampel syndrome, which affects his muscles. They're always in a state of tension. They never relax. So he's got a really ripped body, uh, like a bodybuilder's body. Uh-huh. Um and one of the things with it is that his facial muscles are really tense, so he's got quite a pronounced and unique face. Before Hatch came along, he was in his wheelchair um, from you know the last four years, and over the course of a few weeks and months, he realised people were staring at him all the time, so he didn't want to go out in his wheelchair. Sure. He'd go out happily on my shoulders or be carried to look like a normal child, but he didn't want to go out in his wheelchair, which made it quite hard going shopping and carrying bags and him. I bet. About two and a half years ago, we saw an appeal on a friend's Facebook page who had fostered Hatchie after he had been um, clubbed over the head and dumped in this railway yard and got hit by this train, which oh shattered, shattered his rear leg um, to a point where after you know, a few days with the um, vets, they realised they couldn't save it, so they had to amputate it. Three or four weeks later... We managed to, um, you know, get him into our, you know, into our house, and the bond between him and Owen was amazing. So um, that was accidental. You didn't get the dog for Owen, or did? No, it was. We've got another dog at home, and we wanted a dog, another dog, to keep Pixel company while we were away for a few hours, you know, crossing over shifts at work. We were, ideally, we were looking for. A medium-sized dog, like a, another collie or a Labrador, sure. you know, something not too big. Um, but <laughs> this beast um, of a yes. dog, um, he actually, yeah, he stole our hearts. He stole Colleen's heart mainly because she was the one who went to see him. And when he came home the first night, Owen was fast asleep in bed, and he was bouncing around the house playing with Pixel. And as soon as he went into Owen's room. He just complete his demeanor changed completely. He was wow. so gentle. He avoided all of Owen's medical equipment and medicines, um, had a sniff around the room and then left. The following morning when we introduced the two together in Owen's bedroom, he did exactly the same thing from being a boisterous boy in the house to calming right down in Owen's bedroom. And it was like two, sounds cheesy and corny, um, but two lost souls. Sure. Meeting again. Oh, I got um, goosebumps. Yeah, it, 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 we really wish we had videoed it because it, would, you know, it was such an amazing thing to see because 
Hatchie obviously sensed something was different with Owen, and obviously Owen could see something was different with Hatchie. And, you know, from then on, you know, from that moment, they've never left each other's side apart from when Owen goes to school. Um, but Owen goes and, out now where he didn't before. Yeah, yeah with it, three weeks after we got Hatchie, he came home from school one day, having been forced previously to, after school, you know, we take Hatchie for, and Pixel for a walk and let them play. And he was, he was realising over the, those three weeks that people were staring at Hatchie and not him. They were asking me questions about the dog and not looking at Owen. And he, he realised this, you know, having Hatchie is a brilliant thing because it's taken the attention away from Owen and putting it onto Hatchie. And he absolutely loved it. And he was, you know, he came home from school actively wanting to go out and walk Hatchie. He was loving telling the story of, you know, what had happened to Hatchie and, you know, what it's done for him. And six months later, you know, he's, you know, a lot more talkative and his confidence and self-esteem has just blown massively over mm. the last two years to a point now where you can't shut him up <laughs> <laughs> now you were invited was it to the Crufts dog show and and hatchy and little b won an award yeah um it was um quite uh, strange because because of the impact hatch had had on owen um a lot of people you know on hatchy's facebook page you know the numbers were going up and up and more people were hearing about the story and someone who we still don't know who um, nominated us for this award and we had never heard of it so we was like okay you know yeah we'll accept the you know the invitation and you know we'll be you know we'll be glad to be part of it uh-huh. and they absolutely annihilated the rest of the competition i think they got 54% of the vote so wow. more than everyone else combined and yeah, it was a brilliant weekend. Owen absolutely loved it. Um, well, tell us a little bit about the book. This, uh, what is her name? Wendy Holden wrote a book. Wendy, how, do, yeah. how do you know her? After a bit of uh, thinking and looking on Facebook, we saw that one of our followers was Wendy. So we just sent her an email saying, this is what we'd like to do. Can you give us hints or ideas of who to speak to, you know, just to put the idea out there? Um and after a number of emails going to and forth and, you know, why do we want to do it? She she said, right, I, I need a change. Um, although I'm booked up for 18 months, I'll quite happily cancel a few projects. And, um, you know, she, she, we spent, you know, a good week, two weeks talking to her. She's coming down here and, you know, she's written an amazing book with the help of Owen because it's mainly Owen who's, like, spoke to her in interviews with her. And um, a fantastic book. We're really, you know, really, really pleased with it. It's a great book. It's one of those books that, you know, you pick up and you can't put down. I read it from cover to cover in probably just a couple hours. It was Really? Just, yeah, I yes, saw that. I, that's I know. what you're reading. That's what I was reading. Well, let's share it. I've got 10 copies to give away. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to your bookstore or Amazon.com and ask for Hatching. That's spelled H-A-A-T-C-H-I. Hatchy yeah. and Little B. Or wait till it comes out in the theaters. This has got to be a movie. It's got to be. It would be a movie, right? Yes. What does Hatchy stand for? What does that mean? Where'd you get the um, he was actually named by um, a young boy who was visiting the um, veterinary center where he had his operation to remove the leg, and we don't know why. Um, I think it was a it was because of the other Hatch or Hachiko, um, the film which I think recently had Richard Gere in it. Um, oh yes, and it's the um, the similarities between a dog and railway railways and. Um, I think my wife did research and it's, you know, the term means loyal 
and after a few weeks it was right we can't change his name to anything else because it fits him so well um that name so we we kept it and uh how wonderful well thank you so much for sharing the story with us go give those two big hugs from all of us at animal radio okay and have a good night we appreciate appreciate taking time there thank you very much cheers we have uh we've just talked to the future is what we've done there, he's there tonight, and apparently everything's fine. So, so we'll be there. we know tonight's, tonight's going to be okay. Good. That's right. That's right. I, I didn't know what the hell you were talking about there for a second. Okay, you're right. <laughs> we're on the cusp of technology. We, we really are. are talking halfway around the world. Yes. <laughs> we can dial a phone. <laughs> well, those are always tricky. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dr. Debbie, we were talking a little earlier about, uh, well, Joey was talking about dogs swimming in the uh, swimming pool and in lakes and how to clean them afterwards. But you were in Mm -hmm. the, uh, I believe you were getting coffee or a Diet Pepsi or something in the uh, break room. And you came in, you heard that over the PA. You were talking about some kind of mold or fungus or what? What were you, what were you yapping well, actually, about? Actually, blue-green algae. Um, there actually was a recent report just that hit the wires um, out of a dog out of Minnesota that died suddenly within collapsed within minutes after swimming in a in a lake and it actually had this blue green algae which actually is not algae it is a bacteria called cyanobacteria and what happens is this this kind of algae bloom uh, builds up on the water kind of looks like pea soup where you'll see the uh, floating kind of mats of material on there and and actually this particular type can release toxins it can be toxic to people as well as pets and and pets will actually collapse sometimes just very suddenly within um swimming and ingesting this in the water how common is it in the water i mean is it i mean is it anytime you see that green stuff that floats on the top is that it well not all green stuff floating is this because there's a lot of other actually true algaes out there that don't have this potential this is a particular type of bacteria but it can look blue green but sometimes it'll actually look kind of reddish, purplish, or even brown in color. So generally, we do see this kind of proliferate more when uh, it's you know hot out. Sometimes when water levels are down in bodies of water. Um, but if you see that kind of yucky pea soup looking water, keep your dogs out of it. Um, it's it's really not. Um, it, there's nothing we can really do to stop this. We do mostly supportive care. But it is something if your dog gets into this, you need to get them to the vet right away. They can mm. go into liver failure and die. And in fact, I think the mortality is about 75%. Oh, okay. Um, so it's, it's bad stuff. So I'm thinking we let Ladybug in the ocean here. That's that's, that's water that moves and, and doesn't create algae. There's it's nothing stagnant about it. Is that okay still? 
Well, I mean, you still want to watch because there's, you know, certainly stinging critters in the ocean, um, as well as, you know, there's a lot of salt in the water. So dogs can actually get quite ill from gulping and drinking large amounts of salt water. Um, And my own dogs have eaten, you know, the algae, you know, that grows the plant like algae and and they can definitely get sick from just overindulging and all that kind of stuff. So you're saying just keep them out of the water? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to know your dog, you know, if they're swimming and having a good time and not ingesting everything floating by, um, then they'll probably be fine. But it really is kind of tempering the activity, limiting them um, if they're eating everything. And, uh, you know, if they're having fun, chasing sticks, digging in or jumping in the surf, I'm all for it. Hey, Alan, welcome to the show. Yeah, my name is Alan. What's going on, Alan? Yeah, my mom's dog was following my mom yesterday, like vacuuming. And my mom was vacuuming yesterday and her dog got something in her eye. And the dog died. Like and the dog died? Oh, in the dog's eye. Oh, in the dog's eye. Yeah, oh, my I, gosh. Okay. I misunderstood there. Okay. And so what is the doggy doing right now? The doggy is, like, like trying to, like, get something out of the dog's eye. It's not getting out. And okay. my mom is, is wondering what should she do to get it out. Okay. So um, he's rubbing at the eye, scratching at the eye? Yeah. Okay. And is he squinting in it and holding it closed? Yeah. Okay. All right. The, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that anytime a dog has um, squinting in the eye, that means there's there's pain there. So there's discomfort. So my best recommendation is to get him evaluated by a veterinarian because we want to make sure he doesn't have any kind of abrasion on his eye, um, which would be termed a corneal ulcer. Um, so that's the hard thing. When you have a squinting eye, you can have that from pain of any sort. Um, but an ulcer can be very serious. So we don't want to delay that and um, do home care if we're in that level of discomfort for the eye. Um, now, certainly in the short term, the things I would do um, in any emergency kit for people at home with dogs, when we're talking about eyes, I want some contact saline rinse that you would use for your um your family members that might have contacts. You can use that as an eye irrigating solution to loosen things that might be under the eyelids or any kind of particulates, any kind of dust or anything like that that might be in the eye. That's perfectly safe for dogs to use that. Um, now, that being said, you can also use things like um, artificial tears that are also sold in the contact uh, the contact uh, lens aisle. Um, Refresh brand tears is just one of the types of tears that you can put in to help kind of make the eyes feel more comfortable. But that's a short-term thing. If that baby's eye is red, squinting, and we're uncomfortable, you really need to get the baby into the veterinarian. And very likely, we'd want to do something called a corneal stain. And it's a type of a stain technique that we put um, this dye on the eye, and it helps to outline any kind of scratches or ulcers that could be on the surface of the eye. Um, If we have something like that, there's a certain regimen, certain type of treatment that needs to be done. So that's why it's so important to see your vet if we're in that kind of category of things. Um, and definitely, I'd say at this point, you said this is already the day later that the eye is, he's still squinting? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd say, uh, you know, that would definitely be a timeline that I'd, I'd get the baby to the veterinarian. I just don't like, there's some situations where it's good and there's a lot of tips you can do at home, but there's that point where we cross the line where we are maybe not doing the pet the best by them if we're delaying seeing the veterinarian. And, and I'd have to say this, this warrants a call uh, to get the baby in. So tell your mama that I said. <laughs> Gotta go. Thanks for okay. your, thanks for your call, Alan. 
Once again, it has just flown by. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, and hopefully you'll do it again next week. I want to thank Clarissa Black, Will Hawkins, and Ace Collins for all coming on the show. Don't forget, you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Listen to the show anytime you want. Ask your questions of the Dream Team. Browse our resources. It's a free download. Go do it now, and have yourself a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys. This is Animal Radio Network.